the, the real challenge is not to start doing new things. It's to stop doing old things. In many ways, I think it's quite instinctive for people, but gets clouded out in business by other things. So it's about stopping this need to control everything and micromanage. It's about stopping talking, frankly, and, and just allowing people that we lead to have their own voice. And it's about giving up the mistrust, just giving people some trust. You know, at the end of the day, the only way we can find out whether people are trustworthy or not is to trust them. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. Hey, Gavin here. I hope I find you well today. Do you want to improve your skills as a leader, as a manager? Do you want to get the best out of your team in order to be able to grow and scale your business? Well, Matt Summers, our guest today, is dedicated a career to developing the coaching skills of leaders and managers. You know, the leader or manager is a coach, is a key part of that role. And since the 1990s, he has been at the forefront in helping people all over the world improve their ability to use coaching to get the very best out of people. We have a great conversation today around awareness, responsibility and trust and um, the beauty of how powerful questions can be and how they can bring the best out of people. And instead of breeding dependency, they breed capability in your people. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, Matt Summers is my guest. Um, Matt and I have been each other's kind of like radar circle for a good number of years, probably since um, probably since the early 90s, really, when uh, I first came across one of uh, Matt's books uh, on my own journey of learning and growth around the subject and the art, the craft of coaching. So, Matt, it's a real privilege to have you on the Business Mastermind Podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. So before we jump into this fascinating conversation around leadership um, and about the manager as a, as a coach, how to, to get the best out of people, yeah. uh, tell us a bit about your, your background, your career journey to date. Okay, so um, everything that I do uh, today sparks from a simple idea or, or perhaps even a, a revelation um, and that's that a leader or, or certainly a manager of people um, is a coach, whether they like it or not. Uh, I, I don't believe it's a choice. I believe it's possible to do it well or do it badly. But w- what I don't think is that you can kind of duck um, that facet of the job. And I suppose that that revelation came to me then to, to come back to your question. Uh, in the early to mid 90s, uh, I was in corporate life. I was working in high street banking and I found myself attending a coaching course. And I remember thinking, wow, this this kind of makes sense. And I wish I'd been managed in this way at that point in my career, because if I had, 
I reckon I might be a little bit further into my career and life would certainly have been more pleasant, not just for me, for the people that, that managed me and led me as well. So um, it might be an exaggeration to kind of say I sank to my knees and, and saw the light, but yeah, maybe there was something of that going on. It just, it just seemed to come along this idea of coaching. And in the early to mid nineties, it was still quite, quite new, uh, a quite new conversation in business circles, but as something that just made a lot of sense and seemed to bring together a number of uh, ideas around the best practice in, in getting results from people, Gavin, you know, I mean, I think that, we've always had coaching and we've always had coaches, but that label and that understanding of some of the things we've perhaps imported from the world of sport uh, and so on really began to um, take root at that time. So it wasn't long after that I, I left corporate life and decided to make uh, coaching or more accurately, this idea of the leader as coach, sort of the, the centerpiece of what I was going to go on to do. And if we think back to, so the, the the mid to late nineties, you you were pretty much at the vanguard of this movement, really, about the importance of coaching in the place of work and how actually leaders, managers needed to be in, invoking, adopting a, a, a coaching style in order to get the best performance from people. Yeah, I suppose so. Almost, um, uh, perhaps I would say second generation. Some of the people that are listening to this. Um, are probably familiar with with Sir John Whitmore and some of the work that he did in promoting uh, coaching in the UK and pioneering and promoting the the grow sequence and yeah. the fact that he lent into Tim Galway's inner game work. I was going to say inner game of work was another yeah. book of its time. Yeah, of course. Well, that goes back to kind of uh, early to mid seventies, and, yeah. and it maybe takes you know what sort of 10, 20, 30 years for these things begin to to, to find some traction. But in, in terms of my coaching lineage, I mean, I've been lucky enough to to learn from both those guys personally. Um, and it's just wonderful, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, I guess it was at the, at the vanguard and it didn't always, these ideas sometimes fell on deaf ears. And I think that perhaps have continued to fall on deaf ears for, for quite some time to come. Um, maybe up until the last year or so when I think, you know, the final sort of death throes of, uh, of command and control have, have been accelerated by COVID and everything that, that's happened because of that, you know? So I think now, I mean, I've been arguing that coaching is an idea as time has come for 20 plus years, but I think finally we might be there now that it becomes um, not, not a choice, Gavin, you know, not a, a not a, not coaching as task, not something that we, we pick up and put down, but as an integral part of this idea of getting the best from people, as you said. So if somebody listening to this might be um, understand kind of the, the phraseology coaching, kind of roughly get it as a concept, but if they've had no background in training and coaching skills, mm. how would you descri describe the kind of management style? What, <clears throat> and our second question would be, if somebody was new to the journey, what simple things could they start to do that would be the beginning of them taking a coaching approach in the way that they, got, they manage their teams? Yeah, well, I'll I'll deal with that sort of second bit first because I think it's 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 really interesting that because um, I get asked this 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 question quite a bit. What what should I start to do? And you know what? I, I think actually we need to turn that on its head because I think that the real challenge of coaching, in my experience, and and I've seen a lot of managers and leaders over the years wrestling with this. 
that the real challenge is not to start doing new things. It's to stop doing old things. In many ways, I think it's quite instinctive for people, but gets clouded out in business by other things. So it's about stopping this need to control everything and micromanage. It's about stopping talking, frankly, and, and just allowing people that we lead to have their own voice. And it's about giving up the mistrust, just giving people some trust. You know, at the end of the day, the only way we can find out whether people are trustworthy or not is to trust them. And I appreciate that. You know, it's very easy for me to say in the confines of this lovely, comfortable conversation. It's more difficult when we've got skin in the game in the business and there are some connotations to that. But you know what? The only way to find out if we can lean into people and trust them is to uh, uh, allow them their heads, uh, so to speak. So I think in those three areas, you know, in terms of the amount of controlling we're doing, the amount of talking versus listening, the amount of trust that we uh, play out to our people. Though those are things that we can, um, by by giving up, you know, move more into a coaching style quite naturally without having to artificially contrive stuff, you know. And uh, some some of the tools and techniques we might talk about the growth sequence questioning these sorts of things. Yeah, they you know they they make a lot of sense. But um, without this. Uh, desire to move into a more natural way of doing it they're, they're probably not going to work or they're going to seem a little bit artificial perhaps to the people on the receiving end of them and of course <clears throat> when people have been working increasingly remotely you know working from mm. home uh, those areas around um not wanting to uh, sort of stop controlling everything stop micromanaging and um giving up the mistrust have actually been critical to to engaging and getting performance out to people working from you know working remotely working from home yeah i agree and i think it's that's been um exacerbated by something very practical which is the sheer um shrinkage in the amount of time we can spend with people you know if we're mm. a leader and we throw up in our office door and there's everyone that we need to speak to sort of gathered you know a, a gog waiting for our next comment that that's one thing but if you've got you know a, a quick 20 minutes on zoom or whatever and that that might be the only chance you get in a given day to talk to that particular team member well then the juice that we must get out of those short interactions has, has really got to be heightened um, it's imperative uh, that you sort of set people up for success in their working day or working week, because you might have very few opportunities to kind of course correct or provide some more guidance. So, yeah, I, I think like you, I'd have probably argued that we should have been doing that anyway. I think that COVID has, COVID has accelerated the development of many things, hasn't it? Not just Zoom and, uh, you know, the technological uh, tools that we're leaning into, but also perhaps the, the people management tools that we're leaning into. And I think depend or, or sort of hand in hand with that is about a management or leading based on objective or based on outcome rather than based on time, yeah. time sat at the, the, the computer, time sat at the desk. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And again, I think that predates COVID and lockdown uh, and those other things, although I, I still read and hear horror stories of, you know, people having to, uh, keep their camera on all day long because somebody's going to be checking on them and they've got to you know make an initial phone call at god knows what time in the morning and then formally sign off at night uh i i, I don't know who that serves frankly you know i'm, I, I'm with you I'm completely with quite you. sure really what the the, the benefit uh, of that might be i think it might be better to just you know engage with people in such a way that they feel able to do these things without being monitored you know but also able to um decide more for themselves when they're going to have impact and, and when they might not uh, decide more for themselves 
what's uh, an important part of their role on a given day that's going to have some payoff whereas versus something that might wait a little while and also it's not been the case for me I mean my my daughter's grown up and uh, long since left home but I look at people in my street you know trying to manage all of this alongside homeschooling and honestly my my heart goes out to them Gavin because that's tough you know that oh yeah tough trying to manage these things together and I think that leaders you know I mean they're probably having to do that as well so you would have thought that the empathy was there but um not not from some of the stories that that I hear uh, no I, I agree there's been there's been stories and of course uh, of that level of mistrust being uh, evidenced with people being regularly checked on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it just drives the wrong behaviour. I've heard of others logging on at eight o'clock and then going back to bed. <laughs> you know, it, oh, it drives the wrong behaviour. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because people will find a way, you know, but yeah. and, and we can laugh at that, but, uh, you know, is that really what, what we want people's, um, where we want their focus and energy to be on, on finding ways around these things that, you know, even if they can laugh it off, they're probably making them feel really resentful. This, to me, is not a recipe for a happy ship, you know. No, no. So that actually kind of brings us back around to the whole um, skill set of coaching. Mm. Now, you made reference to the GROW model um, several times already. So do you want to, for those, I think, I'm sure many people yeah, listening course, to this will yeah. be aware of the four steps of the GROW model as a as a coaching model that can now help you navigate through a conversation um, with a, a, a member of your team. But mm. Matt, take us through, take us through the grow model and how and and what what, what's its purpose why is it effective yeah okay so um i'm just going to um this is going to sound very kind of pedantic but i think it's an important point that to me and admittedly i'm somebody who kind of thinks about this sort of stuff all day every day um the the grow sequence is not a coaching model The, the grow technique and i will you know define the steps is purely a way of organizing the questions that we might ask to, to navigate through a coaching conversation. But there is so much more to coaching than just sure. being able to articulate questions. So f- forgive me if that seems like me. No, being no, that's a good, good distinction. Of, you know, Powerful. pedantic about all of this, but it, it, it's important. And I'll, I'll come back perhaps to the reason why it's so important. But grow for what it's worth stands for uh, goal, reality, options, and then either will or way forward. There are variations on a theme out there and provides, like I say, a way of organizing Um, some questions that we'd ask to get through uh, a a coaching conversation. So the person that we're coaching might define an issue uh, that they're having or a situation that they want to progress. We're going to explore with them. Well, what's what's the goal here? You know, what what would sort of this problem look like if we'd solved it or what would success in this endeavor be like? And we might, you know, define that um, to, to greater or lesser levels of detail. Then we contrast that with the reality because in order that we can understand how long a journey we've got to get to this goal, we need to properly understand the place from which we start the reality. Options is about a variety of ways in which we could address, well, what could you do? And then the will or the way forward is, well, what will you do you know and this is around the sort of the the turning thought into into action um but you can see already i guess my my point is implied in that that a dictatorial um leader could be dictatorial with the grow model and tell us what the goal is and tell us the reality as he or she sees it and limit the number of options and have already decided what the way forward is you know so it's really important that these things are done um in the full spirit of uh, of coaching and not just sort of bent into shape because 
people can see this you know i mean i've i've spent so many people down the years have said to me well my boss has tried this coaching stuff and they've made an absolute dog's breakfast of it man and you know what i'd prefer that they hadn't i'd prefer they were just sincere in their belief that what they want to do is yell at people because at least then they're not lying you know they're, they're just being true to themselves and i think when people try to sort of adopt these things and their heart's not in it somehow or they haven't gone underneath the, the kind of the you know the surface level techniques then it, it, it just doesn't work it has to be um a way of intervening with people based on some sincerity you know and based on some trust and um some integrity i completely agree and for the um for the individual who has grappled with wanting to uh, to to develop their skills to take more of a coaching approach but has struggled or doesn't find that they get the the performance that they hope at the other end when they might have done through fear previously with command yeah. and control what what are some that's a very broad question mm. but what are some of the things that they can do to improve the effectiveness of those conversations where um where you were asking members of your team to identify the challenge, to identify the way, options and to come up with a solution of what they're going to do. If, mm. if the members of the team are not coming up with a solution or not following through and delivering on those ways to the solution, what, so what would you recommend to a manager there who doesn't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater with coaching but still wants to find mm. a way about getting performance? Well, there's a few things um, sort of spring to mind as we're talking about that, because I guess one thing is to set coaching um, in context and establish the idea that it isn't a silver bullet, you know, and neither is it a replacement um, for everything else that a manager or a leader might do. And therefore, um, you know, they, we, we could be very skilled coaches, but there might still be times when we have to give people very tough messages or, you know, play the hard cop or, or, or just be very directive and you know, disciplinaries and these sorts of other business processes uh, might still um, need to be utilized from time to time. But hopefully that's at the end of uh, quite, quite a long period of sticking to the coaching approach, I would hope, you know, because for, to, to me, if I, if I think about somebody being resistant to coaching, I have to wonder why, you know, because it's, it just makes so much sense that um, somebody would want to be, uh, bigger and better at what they do why, why would somebody be resistant to it so I think my instincts uh, my instinctive answer here would be for the the manager who's finding it's a struggle to, to try and understand why maybe to you know call the coaching into a halt almost and so I'm noticing that you don't kind of really appear to to be engaged with this let's talk a little bit about why that might be perhaps they've had uh, a bad prior experience I mean as we've said coaching goes back to the early 90s now there's been a lot of leaders and managers using these or seeming to use these techniques for quite a long time if it's been being done badly then our hapless coachee might be a little bit you know like a beaten dog with with with, with some of this stuff or they might um themselves lack an understanding of what coaching is all about um and see it as if I'm if I'm getting coached by my boss, then something must somehow be wrong, you know, because coaching can be misconstrued, uh, Gavin, somehow as, as, as like special lessons, you know, something that that leaders and managers invoke only when something has gone wrong. So if, if a new leader or manager who has a more optimistic kind of outlook on coaching comes in, but into an environment where it has been used as a bit of a stick to people uh, to beat people up with before now, then understandable that some of our uh, coaches, for want of a much better word, might be a little bit reluctant 
uh, to begin with. My experience suggests that giving it time is probably uh, the, the best solution to that. You know, allow our, our people to recognize that we are sincere about it, that we are genuine, that, that we ourselves are open to some learning about this. I mean, one of the answers to the question of how do we get good at it is to get coaching on our coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, but that, that becomes an endless regress because who coaches the coach's coach and so on and so forth. But, you know, ne nevertheless, there are ways we can do this. I mean, some of the groups I've worked with down the years then have little kind of buddying groups or mastermind groups. And they they compare notes with each other in the coaching profession. There is this idea of co-coaching, you know, where we mm. coach each other on our coaching. So I think that. Um, I mean, improving coaching is itself in the spirit of coaching and that we should be open to suggestion and new learning and new experiences and feedback from others and, and all of those things. But um, I, I would say give it time because I have found that it, it takes a little while for the people on the receiving excuse me, the receiving end of coaching to kind of get it, you know, to see where, where we're going with this, particularly if they've been conditioned to being told what to do and how to do it. You know, they're not going to be able to uh, switch out of that overnight. But the problem with being told what to do and how do you do it over time, that individual, that employee, that team member is dependent upon the leader or the manager for those instructions. So command and control leadership can breed dependency where coaching where you're asking them their ideas about how they would address and solve a problem and exploring with them the options about how to get there you're building you're building capability rather than dependency you're building skill capability succession even yeah well i i agree uh, and again i mean i've often had uh, a fair old ding dong with some died in the wall command and control type type and of course that has its place you know but i think it tends to have its place in some quite extreme sort of situations um emergency services springs to mind you know where what, what you and i might recognize as a coaching approach could be wholly inappropriate if you're getting people out of a burning building but you know most people's working lives uh, even now aren't, aren't like that um you know so i think it does i think i agree with you that it does build up this this uh dependency uh, and when i argue about people who seem quite with people who seem quite wedded to the command and control idea, I said, well, what happens if we take you out of the equation? Totally. And yeah. let's face it, COVID has just come along and done that, you know, yeah, yeah. Me this, this perfect laboratory to, uh, to, to test some of these things because it does, it takes an awful lot of effort, command and control. You know, you've got to be cracking the whip and, and reinforcing that all the time, you know, because you're effectively taking control of it and you're, you're doing people's thinking for them. So I think if we take the leader out of that situation, then the machinery of command and control sort of grinds to a halt and it, it can't operate without the leader being present. So um, it, it's flawed for those reasons as well. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth, over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. So for me, it's just shift the, the 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 responsibility of thinking things through with coming up with solutions over to the individual rather than the, you know, the team member rather than the manager but also as you've already said it's not the only tool in the toolbox is it so that if somebody 
is not delivering against objectives or refuses to hit timescales, etc. Um, and let's say it's not a, a situation of skill, it's more of attitude, yeah. then a disciplinary process was going to be, uh, and, the, and the, with a cl- uh, clear explanation of consequences, um, was going to be more appropriate than coaching after you have endured and tried with coaching for some time. Yeah, I, I've, I've never thought that it, it is a panacea. Um, that it's it's the only thing that we'll ever need again, and that that um, if we if we simply persist for long enough, everyone will eventually come on board. I mean, in business, we just maybe haven't got the time to do that, you know. And, and people um, lead a horse to water, Gavin. You know, sometimes we I think can embark upon um, the, the path to coaching as a leader and try and set ourselves up to do that and do the very, very best, best job we can at it. But if people won't meet us in kind, well, they're exercising their choice. And maybe that choice does come with some consequences sometimes. Yeah, I, I think that there has to be that recognition that um, it isn't the only thing we can do and it won't always work for, for all people. Sure. And I think in that context, I've had a situation with a, a business that uh, I'm helping at the moment where... I've adopted the coaching approach with a with a manager in that business who was uh, initially very anti, very resistant to any approach. Um, so I worked on building a rapport, took a coaching approach, but I also said, I can help you, but I'm going to be respectful of your time and respectful of the business owner's time and, of course, of my own time, that if you're not going to follow through and deliver on the things that we've agreed, then this is going to work for either of us. So there was clear expectations contracted up front and therefore clear uh, implications or, or, or consequences of that individual, that, him not doing that his side of the bargain, inside of, his side of the contracting deal. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, in um, my... Uh, when I coach people, um, we do that that contracting piece, uh, especially because uh, I will often be hired, you know, by somebody who's paying the bill, but they're not necessarily the person I'm, I'm going to actually be coaching. And I'm always very wary to make sure that I'm not being hired to do some vicarious management, you know, because the oh, yes. problem, yeah. problem employee that nobody else knows what to do with. And so uh, I think, well... Yeah. You know, um, we might have a tribunal coming up. We better get our defence in first and wheel in some coach, you know, just to tick a box. Well, no, thank you. I, I don't want those kind of assignments. So I'll have that um, probably quite robust conversation with with whoever's sort of hiring me um, to make sure that that's not the case. And then most definitely some sort of exploratory tripe, uh, uh, exploratory pre-meeting with the individual concerned. Uh, to make sure that they're up for it, you know, because um, coaching can't penetrate armour. You know, if somebody has decided, but you can't coach me, you know, they'll win. (laughs) They're going to be resistant to it. And and we'll get to the end of a a 30 or a 40 minute conversation and they'll go, look, I won. You haven't coached me. I'm still hopeless. I mean, you know, I'm I'm sort of tongue in cheek here. But um, yeah, you can't um, force coaching on people. You can't impose it. That won't work like that. So some well-placed questions within the work capacity could actually open up a whole new vista of, or whether it's a can of worms, you could actually 
tap into some deeper stuff that you maybe hadn't expected you could you know open the open the the, the the lid on that can of worms for some deeper deeper stuff and I, I imagine for some managers and leaders that makes them a little bit apprehensive about taking a questioning a coaching approach mm-hmm. yeah so again I think it comes to it comes to being um very candid very truthful up front. I mean, again, to reflect on my experience of, of an external coach, I will say I can't legislate for where this questioning is going to go. You know, once we start um, bringing the conversation down to a deeper level of honesty, which I think well-constructed coaching questions can help us do that, then who knows where this goes? You know, so back to my scenario of I might have been uh, brought in to, to help deal with somebody who's uh, struggling with their performance a little bit. Well, I can't guarantee that they won't decide that this is just not the role for them anymore. Sure. And I have to be very, very clear with my sponsor, you know, the, the person that's hired me to say, well, that, that might be the case. Now, normally they're going to say, well, you know, maybe that's no bad thing in the end for both parties, as long as it's arrived at w- with candor and, and, and sincerity and it's an informed choice that, that both parties are making um but this is the thing with, with with coaching you know if we if we go in um imagining that coaching will produce a, a given end that we've already thought about in advance well then that's not coaching gavin is it that's manipulation and you can do that you know good luck to you but it it, it isn't going to work probably and it it isn't coaching you know coaching requires us to um, let go of, of what the outcome might be. We've got to go with what the coachee, the client, call the, the other person what you will is is telling us and be prepared to deal with that. So that as an external coach going in, that's that's clearer. That that scenario of having to let go of the outcome is is, is arguably easier to do. When you're a leader and you are accountable for the delivery of certain objectives and then you've got a team to help you deliver on those, you can't totally let go of the outcome, can you? No. no. And I think that the the job of the external coach is an easier one than yes. the job of the internal because you don't have that dichotomy. You don't have those possibly competing uh, agendas to, to try and manage. And to the leader that says to me, Matt, I really, really tried hard to stick to my coaching guns but you know what, we've got these KPIs and it's Q4 and we've got some sales numbers to hit and I had to just, you know, get in there and um, and, and tell some home truths and roll my sleeves up. Well, I get that, you know, I, I yeah. get that. But I think that where coaching becomes something that we're ever keener to move towards, then somehow you are setting out your stall as a leader and it almost becomes easier to have to crack the whip if you need to. It almost becomes more understandable amongst the team that sometimes the external need of our KPIs or you know we've 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 got to produce a return for shareholders because that has huge implications for the business going forward again with sincerity and honesty and trust I I find that people are more able to to perhaps accept that you know because they can see that there's a reason for it Uh, it's not just an habitual sort of leadership style um, based on fear and blame it's it's recognizing that in business there are a lot of competing priorities and sometimes we have to make very difficult choices as leaders to which of those priorities we we attend to and and no that can't always be the the human um 
longer term developmental piece. I, I, I wish it could be, but uh, you know the, the 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 time horizon for KPIs and things is usually shorter, isn't it, than we get with the other side of the role of developing people or the, the longer term things. So sometimes we just have to deal with that, of course. There's a theme that's come through with some of the, the language you're using, Matt, around sincerity, sincerity, honesty, and trust, and the word mm-hmm. candor. And I think all of these are, uh, are fantastic behaviours that we should be promoting and encouraging within the culture of our business. What, as Back to an earlier scenario we talked about where the manager, the leader, doesn't no longer opens their office door, and there's a there's a group of people sat around in an open plan office waiting waiting for the next instruction. But you've got twenty minutes instead on Zoom. How you know what advice would you give to a manager that is struggling with getting that, keeping that culture alive, and and creating that candor and that trust when they've got a limited window of exposure to each member of the team. Well, I actually think, Gavin, that um, how to how best to answer this. We might think on the face of it that um, coaching takes more time. You know, that if we were to go in and just instruct and, and direct and, and tell people what to do and how to do it, that that's, that's somehow more expedient. Uh, coaching at first glance appears to be this thing that's g- going to take a long time and take a, a lot of engagement. But it really doesn't, you know. If we think about those um, those grow questions, there's four questions there. Given a situation, what do you want? Where do you start from? What could you do? What will you do? Well, five minutes uh, might be enough to to go through that, you know. And the difference is then that after those five minutes, who has ownership of the next step? You know, it, it's going to be the individual and, and and not the manager. So I might argue that. Um, some fairly uh, simple coaching tools and techniques enable us actually to, to cut to the chase if that's what we need to do, where time is limited, far more than giving directions does because part of the problem with an overly directive approach is people don't understand what we mean. It's actually quite hard um, to, to form directions that are unambiguous, you know, particularly if we're dealing with things that are quite ethereal. So if we're dealing with, say, customer care, stakeholder management, um, dealing with complaints, uh, selling, you know, these things um, might make perfect sense to us as a leader because we've we've been on the tools, you know, and we've built up quite a lot of expertise down the years with these things. But to get that out of your head and into the head of another person, let alone trying to do it through Zoom or some kind of remote communication in a way that they perfectly then come to the same point of understanding that we do, well, I would suggest is, is not an impossible in my experience. So wouldn't it be better to have that person sort of arrive at their own unique conclusion, their own unique solution that works perfectly for them because they've arrived at it? I mean, bear in mind, they're going to be articulating these things and thinking them through in conversation with us adopting this coaching role. So we as leaders are perfectly able to say, well, hang on, you know, that that sounds like a good idea, but let's just check a, B and C here and make sure we're not going to solve one problem and cause another. You know, when we coach people, we don't abandon control, but we put responsibility 
where it needs to be, which is in the individual. At the end of the day, they're kind of closest to the customer. Again, now more than ever in light of COVID, you know, they're going to be doing their stuff out of our line of sight because we'll be checking in with them from time to time. So you need that, that choice, that ownership, I think, with the individual concerned. And of course, coaching is only one aspect of one sort of behavioural leadership tool in the toolbox. Giving feedback is another key part. Rewarding or acknowledging um, you know, positive reinforcement, rewarding, acknowledging good work, achievement, progressing in the right direction. Go hand in hand with the Socratic or the coaching, asking of questions approach. Yeah, can do. Um, I mean, I, I think that... Uh, feedback is a skill that few people have sure um, might well include myself in that actually i think it's really difficult uh, yeah. to, to to give people feedback and um you know again I'm, I'm thinking of something that you said earlier on about setting up dependency well i find that that can happen with feedback as well if you keep saying something good great well done excellent brilliant numbers this week and then next week you don't you know their minds turns to well hmm what's what's Gavin thinking of me this week you know what's what's happened to the to the positive feedback so you know you you can sort of this this um what is it the law of unintended consequence you know yeah. that you set up this sort of feedback loop and then people feel a bit deprived so I, I've always said that the the best kind of feedback is feedback that is self-realized you know the the feedback that people generate from themselves by being much more aware of what's going on as they're going about the business of their work and and raising their awareness and becoming a bit more kind of conscious of, of what's going in and learning lessons from their own uh, experience. And, and this is something that a good coach will facilitate because maybe we can set them up for that in conversations that take place prior to them going off to do something. And we can certainly help people uh, extract um, learning from experience if we have good coaching uh, conversations with them after they've done something, you know, so it's yeah. kind of bookending it that way. But what if the feedback could be generated by the individual themselves? I think that that might well uh, prove to be more useful feedback to them than, than that which is offered from the manager. Yeah, I think one of the, the wonderful consequences of somebody that has been coached very well is that their own level of self-awareness improves significantly. So if they are able, if they've got that self-awareness, then they're more likely going to be accurately assessing their own performance. And you can say that in feedback from the self-generating, which is important. Yeah. yeah and, and so, um, you know, awareness and self-awareness, I think, are prime in terms of coaching principles. And so um, a really useful coaching question that sort of sits outside, I suppose, the, the kind of the grow sequence. It's not necessarily a linear thing is, well, what do you notice? Now that could be. What do you notice as you as your? What do you notice about how you're how you're viewing the future? What do you notice about that? Um, to what degree are you feeling optimistic versus pessimistic? More useful, perhaps, because it's grounded in in actuality. Is well, what do you notice about what's happening now? What do you notice you're experiencing at different parts of the the day? What do you notice is the themes of the conversation amongst your team? So what do you notice, you know, is an effort to try and uh, stick the antennas up a little bit further to get people working with more awareness of what's going on around them with a high level of consciousness. I mean, I hesitate to use that word because it, it sort of sounds a bit new agey perhaps, but I, I don't mean it to in this setting. But, you know, so people, so many people are just kind of heads down getting on with it. They're not lifting their head up to actually 
draw learning from experience and, and well-crafted coaching questions that are founded on um, good coaching philosophy do a tremendous job of, uh, of, of enabling that. And, and then it becomes sort of self-sustaining, doesn't it? If people, as you've said, if people do work with higher levels of awareness than are typical, well, then they turn into their own kind of learning machine. Yeah, I love that question. So what do you notice? Um, because that really puts you in that third person, that fly on the wall, looking at and observing the interaction, the dynamic. And, and often some of the most powerful insights I've been able to create with when I've been doing group coaching or working with a, with a board of directors or a senior management team and facilitating an offsite, for example, is that one level, there's a conversation that you and I are having with the words that we're exchanging. But at another level, there's another conversation of what's not spoken. And there's the in, then you've got that dynamic between the other people in the group. So when I'm working with people like that, I'm, there's, whilst part of me is tracking the conversation, the other part of me is in that third person, that so what do you notice position, watching and observing all of the time, because that's just very effective uh intel if you like yeah um i want to a guy that I, I worked with a number of years ago had his own version of uh so what do you notice which uh which, which really resonated with me and that was um in in response to somebody's behavior or something that didn't quite make sense um so what's that so what's all that about then yeah so what's all that about then uh, I, I, I remember a, a, a funny example. I was coaching um, a manager of a dealership of, uh, of uh, a, a well-known brand in the UK. And uh, I'd just spoken to, I was coaching uh, this manager in, uh, just after lunch. And he said, Gavin, the, the strangest thing happened to me this morning. New guy started work at the dealership. He set foot literally before his foot across the threshold. He sticks his hand up and said, Hey, glad to be here. Watch out for me. I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> and that was his first statement as he was opening the door to his new place of work. Um, but then that question, so what's that all about then? That behavior, how, how could that how could that make any sense? So what's that all about then? Actually uncovered a really powerful conversation about this guy who was wanting attention. And he's usually got attention for being a naughty boy. So why don't we start to give him attention for catching him doing all the things right? Absolutely. But that, yeah. What do you notice? What's that all that about? Can, can actually uncover some really fascinating insights around what's going on for people. Well, yeah. I mean, this, this whole idea of, of finding questions that just, that, that the, the beauty of the question is it requires people to stop and think. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets them out of that habit of just do, do, do uh, as some sort of automaton and has them stop and think. So uh, I, I have an example. I was working with um, a senior leader and this this person was struggling um, when, when they were kind of talking in public. You know, they'd have to do these sort of town halls and so on. And they were they were very conscious of their non words, the ers and the ums and the, and the fillers. Uh, and now typically we're advised to prepare our scripts better, you know, and, and remember what you're supposed to say and then you'll stumble less. But in my experience, that doesn't work. So what, what we came up with is a bit of an awareness raising exercise. And I said to, to, to this guy, you know, well, just count how often that happens. 
And he said, well, what, what, what do you mean? You know, surely I've got to work really hard to eliminate these things and try and effort and all of this sort of strain every sinew. This was quite a, a macho sort of leader. You know, there's a lot of them out there. And I said, no, no, I want you to, the last thing I want you to do is try because trying tends not to, to change anything over the long term. Just count. So as you become aware of using an er or an um or a basically or some other filler, just make a mental note. And almost immediately, he stopped because the magic here is aware enough to be able to count is aware enough to stop yourself in the act. But, but there was no pressure, Gavin. You know, I wasn't forcing him to do something. There would be no consequences for failing if he let one of these things slip out accidentally. It, it got him oriented to just purely learning from his own experience. And people say this as, oh, it's like some kind of magic trick. It, it isn't. You know, it's just working with, with heightened awareness. I think you've just hit the nail on the head to me what coaching's about. Coaching at its most effective is when you ask a question that gets people to interrupt their habitual pattern of behaviour and to stop and to think. And uh, if you get as a response to a coaching question, oh, not thought about that, about that before, or that's a good question, you know you've gotten to stop and think and that's been a, that's been a good question. It's been a good coaching intervention. Yeah. And, and so when I'm um, training leaders as coaches, I'll, I'll ask them or invite them to hold that silence. If you get that um, and it's not always communicated. I mean, sometimes to me, this this is somebody will will stop and become very quiet and sort of stare off into space. An NLP would probably tell me whether they're referencing their past or imagined future. I mean, I'm not into sort of eyeball movements and that, you know, but what I have recognized is they're on the cusp of something there. And the last thing we want to do is break the spell and intervene. So again, you know, and I was saying to you earlier on, one of the things we've got to, to take up coaching requires us to, to give some things up. And one of the things it requires us to give up is the need to fill the silence. It's okay. You know, they're probably, like I say, on the cusp of a real insight that it wouldn't be an exaggeration to change. say it could be life-changing. I mean, this guy, I, I, I helped with his sort of tendency to, to stammer when speaking in public was literally life-changing it, it never went back because we just kind of activated some new pattern i suppose it's a it's a powerful powerful tool set so if anybody wants to learn about more how start to play with it more start to play with be more intentional with the questions that they ask mm. um, which of your books would you recommend that they go to well, you're presupposing I'd recommend any of mine. <laughs> I am, yes. Um, well, they, they, they can do that, and, and, and that would be lovely. But uh, like I say, um, I, I'm very much sort of second generation, I suppose. I would always go back to the source, and I would recommend any uh, of Tim Galway's Inner Game series. Yeah, great. Thanks. And I would certainly endorse uh, Sir John's Coaching for Performance, which is seen as the kind of the, the, the industry Bible. Yes, yeah, John And Whitmore. then from there, you know, well, I mean, there is just a, a wealth of stuff now that uh, certainly wasn't around when I first started, of which mine are just, you know, out there. Um, but what I want to say on that, I think, uh, Gavin, is start from where you're at, you know, start, start from where you're at. It, you might in the end, I suppose, as a leader, um, want to go off and, and maybe really pursue it to the extent of gaining a qualification or some kind of coaching accreditation. There are plenty of leaders who, who don't want to be a professional coach for a living, but they want that level of um, exposure, I suppose, to, to the discipline. Great, you know, if that makes sense to you. But equally, you, you can start from where you're at. There are, 
I've met countless very natural coaches. They've never been on a coaching course in their life, but they just get the essence of asking more than they're telling and really listening. We haven't spoken about that much today, but you know, it is the it is the primary tool is the ability to, to tune out and listen. But I think anybody who three things to bear in mind uh, and this is like the acronym of the art of coaching ART stands for awareness responsibility and trust so if you have a, co- a conversation with somebody where your intent is to help them become more aware of what's happening to them where your intent is to help them take responsibility ownership choice empowerment all these similar words i.e they're the one with with the action steps to take and you do this in an environment where um, the third part of your intent is to is to create trust. Well, then I would argue that that's a coaching conversation and you might not follow the grow model or the countless other sort of mnemonics. And, you know, a professional coach might examine that conversation and, and see all sorts of ways in which it could be made better. But the essence will be there. Those three things, awareness, responsibility and trust. Those are components of a, a coaching conversation and you don't need hours and hours and hours of coach training to be able to make a start. That's a really strong way to bring our conversation to a close there, Matt. I love that. The art of coaching being awareness, responsibility and trust. So um, if people want to check you out on LinkedIn or uh, check out your website, how do they do that? Yeah, so the website is mattsummers.com and Matt Summers on LinkedIn. I'm tending to prefer LinkedIn these days, uh, it's much more engaging than kind of just visiting a website. You know, I, I quite like to get into some of the, the conversations and things with, with new connections and um, engaging with different people's posts. So, yeah, I'd love, love to, to meet new people and connect on LinkedIn. That would be great. Matt, thank you so much for your time today. Lovely speaking to you, Gavin. Take care. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth, over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition. Let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.